Now let's get some insights on the new shaping the markets. And for that, we welcome in Scott Ladner, Chief Investment Officer, Horizon Investments. Scott, thanks so much for being with us. I know you have fed inflation and the markets on your mind. Um, let's just start with the big picture. I mean, even today we saw volatility, right? The futures were higher and uh, you know we had a higher open only to see things sell off. I mean, volatility is here to stay, at least for the near term. I mean, certainly, Nicole, um, that, that, that should be the read, and it, and it will be the read, until we continue to get a little bit more comfortable about what the Fed's going to be doing, um, and a little bit more comfortable with, with how this, this, this war over on the other side of the world is going to be prosecuted, um, you know, whether or not Putin can be stopped or not. Um, and so you know, it makes a little bit of sense that, that we're getting some volatility in markets right now. Um, and, and really, it's going from interest rate land over into equity land. Um, so one thing, one thing we're looking at, certainly you can look at something like the move index, which is like a, like a VIX for interest rates, but you can also look at something like short-term um, swaps and implied volatilities. And, and you know, I, one interesting thing that's going on in that market right now is, is, is uh, you know, options on two-month or on, on two-year rates is actually more expensive or higher than options on 10-year rates. That's, that's a very unusual type of development. And it's telling you the kind of stress that, that the interest rate market is seeing right now in terms of trying to figure out what the Fed is going to do over the next year or two. So I think once we get a little bit more color and a little more, more clarity uh, from the Fed on the sort of the measured pace that they're going to be going, uh, going you know, going, like hiking rates with, um, that'll, that'll, that'll end up feeding itself into uh, the foreign exchange markets and feeding itself into lower, lower volatility estimates uh, and projections for the equity market. Mm -hmm. We got to get the Fed right first. Right. And there's so many things to discuss here. One thing I thought was interesting um, for investors that you had in your notes, as far as fixed income is concerned, you know, it's dead in the water, you said, pretty much for the next few years. You said, give yourself a chance and just at least try something else for your investments. Don't just sit in fixed income if you're trying to make some money. Yeah, look, I mean, the only thing you need to look at in order to figure out what, what returns are going to be in fixed income is the yield to, is the yield to maturity when you buy it. Uh, it's a very, very uh, good predictor of what your return is going to be. And so if you're buying fixed income today, uh, investment grade fixed income in the United States, you know, you're looking at basically like a 2% total return over the next five years. You know, inflation is higher than that right now, obviously. It's probably going to be a little bit higher than that over, over those five years on average. So you're looking at, at basically losing money in real terms if you're investing in investment grade bonds in the United States today. That is, by definition, dead money. Um, so what we're, what we're saying to folks is say, listen, take, that, take whatever passive bond allocation you have in the markets and basically cut it in half. Now, I'm not saying you have to sell all of your bonds, but at least cut that passive bond allocation right. in half. And, and move more towards like hedged equity strategies or low volatility strategies or something at least has a chance to make some money over the next five years because in bonds, you just don't. I did notice you were talking about the short interest that has been on the rise. Um, and when you look at tech and growth, your outlook for 2022 and trying to put money to work here? Yeah, look, we actually think, so you know, there, there are two separate things going on there, right, Nicole? So, you know, first off, you know, the, the, the short interest in the positioning outlook uh, for the market right now is really bearish. Um, and so, you know, we have, a, we have this weird combination of, we have, not really weird, but it's a little bit unusual. We have very bearish positioning, very bearish sentiment. I mean, like, do you know anybody that likes this market right now? Like, everybody hates this market, both retail and institutional. They're positioned that way. So we can look at short interest being very high. We can look at put call ratios being very high. We can look at, you know, uh, hedge funds gross exposure. Uh, coming down quite significantly over the last eight weeks. So, you know, the, 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 not only do we have sentiment being really bearish, but we have positioning being really bearish. And then the catalyst being, obviously, the Ukraine war really kicked things off to the downside. But that's, that combination is, is, you know, is such that it's not likely we're going to get a, a really extended, hardcore sell-off off the back of this. But the caveat that if Putin goes nuclear, all this stuff is ridiculous and, and doesn't make any sense. 
Um, but but absent something like that, um, you know, the positioning and, and sentiment profile of the market is such that we're likely just going to be violently going nowhere for a little while and range bound. And so you know, in that in that type of outlook. Uh, you know, if we if we can actually extend our outlook to like more to more like three to six months, a place like tech is probably not a bad, bad place to ride out that storm. We're going to have very volatile, uh, you know, very volatile expectations around the Fed, very volatile expectations around growth specifically. Um, so when you have volatile expectations around growth, you probably don't want to be in stocks and sectors like cyclical stocks and sectors that are very tied to the to the path of economic growth. So when thing when growth gets worse, those mm. those stocks tend to get worse. When stocks get when growth goes up, those tends to be to go up. But when we have really volatile expectations around what growth is going to look like six months hence, you probably want to be in those stocks that are going to be a little bit steadier ride. And things like Google or Amazon or Facebook, as boring as they sound, um, you know those those are pretty steady earners uh, in the grand scheme of things. And so that's you know if we can like pull out and look 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 down the road about three to six months, they're probably not bad bad places to invest. That's interesting because uh, staying away from cyclicals and things that can, uh, you know, be jostled by what we hear from our economy. So the reopening trade. What about um, what about financials, for example, or energy, which has already run up? Financials are getting um, moved around, particularly with the Russian exposure. They may or may not have. Are there any other groups that you think could be potentially good place to park some money? Look, I, I think if you're if you're quick and you're nimble, energy can still be a really great place to be. As can something like materials, uh, or you know the commodity sector sorts of places. So if you're quick and and you have the ability to be quick and nimble, and you want to try to time those things and trade them a little bit, then then yes, all day long. Yeah. If you're talking about six months out, um, you know your your last guest came was on talking about the backwardation in the forwards curves for all these for all these commodities. That's telling you the market thinks that we have a short-term supply constraint problem that's driving prices up right now. But once those supply constraint problems come off, in other words, if the shale guys turn the drills back on, which they are doing right now, if Iran gets a deal signed when they're, and they start pumping, then you know that that adds to supply. If mm -hmm. all these supply constraints start to come off, you're going to see the prices of those commodities and, and, and oil come down really, really quickly. Um, and so the, you know that would be good for economic growth, but it wouldn't be good for stocks that are tied to that type of thing that have really, really ridden the you know ridden the ride up over the last eight weeks. Yeah. What kind of interest are you seeing in crypto? Um, from your clients? I mean, you have different age clients, ones who are willing to take more risk. Is that something that you dabble in at all? You know, we, we don't dabble in it formally, but but it's, you know, I'm going to tell you how we think about it. Um, you know, crypto is a is a speculative risk asset. It is not a hedge against inflation. We've seen that pretty clearly over the last few months. Um, it's not a hedge against against the fiat system going going bust. Um, it's not really it's not really a hedge against anything. Um, it is it is a speculative asset. And what you know, how we're counseling our clients is like we can we can think about crypto as a part of a portfolio, but you need to think about it as as, as being positioned or being an allocation size uh, that's consistent with it being a, a highly speculative asset and a highly speculative asset that is that is uh, you know that we don't have a regulatory framework for yet. So without that regulatory framework, it really is impossible to value something. And when the when the regulatory side of, of Bitcoin right. and regulatory side of crypto writ large um, is probably you know highest highest impacted by what what do the regulations say? Like what are we allowed to do with this thing? If we're allowed to do nothing with it, it's worth nothing. If we're allowed to do everything with it, it's probably it's, it's worth potentially a lot of money. Uh, but without that regulatory framework, yeah. we can't really put any sort of fundamental valuation on it. Uh, so it's so it, you know it can't it can't occupy a large spot in clients' portfolios. But if you have a you know a two three four percent slug that you dedicate towards themes or dedicate towards um, you know highly speculative types of endeavors that you that you have a long tail on, um, you know that it can it can certainly occupy a spot like that. Yeah, Scott, great to chat with you. Thank you so much. Love your insight here.
today on, on the many different topics we went through. Thanks so much. Scott Ladner, Horizon Investments. Thank you. Thanks, Nicole.